I want to talk about persuasive people tonight. Oh, yes. Uh, anyone who knows my son Reuben yes. knows that he can be highly persuasive. I asked him whether I could talk about him this afternoon. He said yes. He's not here. Is he? Is he here somewhere? Oh, I'll have to tell the truth. Okay. And so, <laughs> you know, some people inspire and some people wear you down. Rue is inspiring. And he can also wear you down. <laughs> this, is, this is something that we laugh at in our house. It's Reuben going, Dad, 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 Dad. And you know what? When it's like, Dad, 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 you've got to try this smoked brisket. That's a good thing. He does good smoked brisket, okay? But I remember, I'll never forget a trip we had to Japan. And we were in Osaka. And, and I think it was Reuben's first trip to Japan. And... Uh, and he was fascinated with all things Japanese, like crazy, weird culture. It's fun. It's just loud, fun, so different. Most different place you'd ever be on earth, really. And uh, in our hotel room in Osaka, there was, a, uh, there was a vending machine. And I mean, you can get just about anything out of those vending machines. But what he spotted was this drink. It looked like, it looked like um, coffee, uh, iced coffee, milk, uh, but it was called the pungency. And as you know, like, uh, and what you do learn in Japan is nothing tastes like it looks. Like nothing tastes like it looks. And, uh, and so he got this thing thinking it was something like some sort of an iced coffee, but when you took the lid off, pungency was a good name for it. You know, it was like, I don't know whether it was fish guts and milk or something like that, a fish guts milkshake or something, but, um, but he had it. And uh, he was determined to persuade us to have it. Thankfully, I said no, because he went and got a second one, and then he threw up all night. <laughs> Who has got a persuasive friend? Yes. We've all got people like that in our world, haven't we? They just, they just come at you, come at you. They want to get you into something no matter what. I think we've all had that. Some of us are that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's just like, come on, you've got to try this, you've got to try this, you've got to try this. Dad, 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 dad. We've all had someone in our life like that. And I want to talk about someone tonight uh, that is like this in a really positive sense and then co contrast it with, you know, maybe some things that we come across in our lives that can be less than positive in this area of persuasion and encourage us to be the right kind of persuasive people uh, for those around us. And we're in, uh, we've been, well, I've been in a series for about three months, I think, or four months, on the character series. Every time I get to preach at night, I think, oh, I'm just going to do the character series again. What a character. What a character. We've got a saying in our society, what a character. It's always a positive thing. You know, those persuasive people, often we say things like that about them. What a character they are. But we normally use it when someone's positive. It's actually an affirmation. They're a bit of a character. You know, and, uh, and so I want to look at what a character, Andrew. Andrew, one of the disciples of Jesus. Not the best known one. Not, 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 he's not like John or Peter, but he's actually woven right through the story of the Gospels. And I want to start in John chapter 1. We're going to look at three passages of Scripture out of John and look at a bit of uh, Andrew's story. But uh, I'm going to read a little bit. So you ready to, to, to strap yourself in? Yeah. Going to read a little bit, uh, and then I'll bring a few thoughts out of it. And, and the first thing I want to show, show us or talk to us about is kind of like Andrew's epiphany, Andrew's sort of revelation uh, of Jesus Christ. And it starts in uh, John chapter 1, verse 35. I want to begin it in. The story starts a little before this because it says, The next day, John was there 
Again, John the Baptist it's talking about. Uh, And it says the next day he was there again because earlier scripture is talking about the first day that he was there, the day before this day. And the day before this day, he'd actually said to to, to all the disciples that famous passage where he says, you know, this guy is the one. I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. You know, I baptise you with water. He's going to baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And John like defers to Jesus. That's, that, was, that was the day before this day. And then it repeats. And it says the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. These are John's disciples before they were Jesus' disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Why I made the point about what had happened the day before is because he said a lot more the day before. He'd said that Jesus was the Lamb of God, that he would take away the sins of the world, that he would baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, and that he was you know, exceptional beyond John. Now, these guys were following this guy called John because they really thought he had something. And he did. But John is now pointing at Jesus saying, that's the guy you should be following. So the, the, the next time that he says it, they decide to take John's advice and they begin following Jesus. And then turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you'll see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him and it was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And so it's, it's uh, Andrew and the other disciple. Uh, it doesn't mention who he is. It's definitely not Peter. Uh, Andrew's Peter's brother. And, uh, and they're hanging out with Jesus for the afternoon. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Wouldn't it? just hanging out with Jesus. Jesus invites you back to his place and, uh, and just hanging out with Jesus. And then it says they obviously got to time to go home. And um, I guess Andrew could have done all kinds of things, but this is what he did. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we've found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, son of John, you'll be called Cephas, and which is translated Peter, it literally means a stone. And, uh, and I just, I love this whole thought that's contained here that the guys saw something that they really wanted, Andrew went after it, but then Andrew was the one that went and persuaded his own brother. After his own great experience, the first thing scripture says that he did, He didn't go out, I guess, and broadcast it to everyone. The first thing he did, he went and he got his own brother and is like, you have got to come and see this guy. I don't know how he did it. Maybe it was Peter, 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 Peter. You've got to come and meet Jesus. And he takes Peter to go and meet Jesus. I love this about Andrew. And this is what I really want to look at as far as uh, Andrew's life goes. You know, I think when Andrew heard what John said about Jesus, he realised this guy has really got something. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In that Jewish context, he understood that all the pain in his world 
was because people couldn't break free of a pattern of living less than what they should have. All the pain that he could see was because of rebellion. All the pain that he could see was because of people going against, you know, what God had clearly instructed them to do, how he'd clearly instructed them to live. And now they're living in an oppressed, occupied state and life sucks. And then John says, this guy can bring forgiveness. And I think Andrew's like, that could actually be a way out. Maybe there is a solution. Maybe there's a way of living beyond the pain, a new way of seeing the world that's compelling, filled with hope that life can be different. You can be free from things holding you captive. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he's, uh, I think he's inspired and he's becoming this, uh, or he, maybe he always was, a persuasive person. But he's definitely persuading people the right way because he's bringing them to Jesus. Andrew, what a character. And this is actually a pattern of life when you look at Andrew. He's always moving people toward Jesus. Let me give you a couple of other scriptures. John chapter 6, verse 7 and, seven and 9 through to nine. Uh, Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each of us to have a little. This is the feeding of the thousands. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, fish, but how far will they go among so many? So Andrew's the one that brings the little boy with his lunch to Jesus. And I think that's amazing. Number one, it's amazing if Andrew knew that the little boy had a lunch, then that sort of shows you just how relational and compelling he was, that he was out in the crowd and he even knew what the little boy had for lunch. But actually more likely what it is, is that he probably had a reputation already of getting people to Jesus. And so the little boy, when he thought he might have had a solution, probably found Andrew the most approachable one to bring the solution to. Either way, it's pretty amazing because this is a pattern of life. Because now, you know, he brings his own brother to Jesus. Then he finds this little boy there and, you know, and he's not even sure that anything can happen. He's not even believing for a miracle. He just knows this kid's got something and I need to get him to Jesus. And of course, then the story unfolds and thousands, they witness thousands being fed. They get to see Jesus' ability to provide. That all comes out of this story. Thank you, Andrew. What a character. He can find and join the dots. He's a persuasive person. And then you have in John 12. This is a great one. It says, Now when there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. And they came to Philip, one of the other disciples, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee with request. So they said, We would like to see Jesus. And listen, the next verse says, and Philip went to tell Andrew. And then Andrew and Philip told it to Jesus. It's like even the disciples knew if you wanted to get someone connected to Jesus, you talk to Andrew. You know what I mean? So Andrew seems to be this compelling, uh, persuasive person that's in every, he's just threads through scripture, continuously bringing people towards Jesus. I wonder what kind of a compelling person you are and I wonder what direction you take people. I wonder what direction the people in your life 
are taking you. Because when you look at this, this uh, is very much influenced what we see with Andrew, which is another word for leadership. That's all leadership is, the ability to influence. And if you really think about that, we're all influencing someone on some level. So we're all leaders. We're all influencing them. Really, the acid test is of authentic leadership is whether you're taking people towards Jesus or away from him. Because have you noticed there's a lot of things in this life and there's people in this life that will take you in the opposite direction. The acid test of relationships really is, are you taking people toward Jesus? And Jesus said this would be an acid test. Have you ever, ever read where Jesus said, unless you hate your father and your mother, you can't follow me? No, no one's read that, no one journals. Come on, you know you've read it, you just don't like to read it. Because it's like, I wouldn't like to think Jesus would say that. But I don't think Jesus is saying you need to hate your father and mother. I think he needs, what he's saying is, you've got to understand the reaction you might get from your parents if you want to follow me. And unless you're prepared to write it off, at some point they might try and pull you away. Even a parental relationship, and all the parents in the room cringe when we think of that. But actually, if we understood who Jesus was, we'd always be happy for our children to be moving towards Jesus. But sometimes we don't always understand that. And so, you know, Jesus said that this would be an acid test, whether you were able to come towards Jesus or not, would be an acid test of relationships. Uh, You might not have noticed this, but at the end of the day, pubbing, clubbing, drugging and sleeping around is not taking you toward Jesus. It's amazing I have to say that, but I think I do. Our generation has just been sold a lie on what is harmful and what is helpful. And we've mixed up wisdom with pleasure so that we understand neither. And we've got to understand who's taking us where and where are we taking those around us. We're all leaders. We're all influencing someone on some level. Are we taking people toward Jesus or away from him? Are people around us taking us toward Jesus? Have we got Andrews in our lives or do they go by a different name? Because ultimately, some people bring and some people take. Andrew's a bringer, but in our lives, we could basically say some people bring and some people take. You know, some of you are brought here tonight for free pizza. (laughs) It's going to add to your life. It's going to add to your waistline. It's going to add whatever, but it's going to add to you. Um, Andrews, the Andrews of this world will champion you. They'll champion your connection to God and they'll be friends of your future. That's, they'll always take you toward Jesus and be a friend of your future. Others only want you for the moment and what you can add to them. And it can be confusing. We have a new term now in our, um, our society, and it's literally a real word called, and you'd all be familiar with it because you're almost so much younger than me, frenemies. Frenemies. And it's like, what, what? I looked up the definition of frenemy. And it's someone that you hang out with, but who isn't necessarily a good influence on you. It's someone you hang out with and the relationship gets toxic. They're the kind of person that changes personality and changes the way they treat you, depending on who's in the room. Yeah, wow. They drop you and walk away real quick 
when someone else enters the room. And, and, and that's a toxic thing that might not be taking you in the right direction. I think it's a brilliant term for enemies. It's like, yeah, why would you have that person influencing you? Because they're not a friend of your future. They're a friend in the moment and they're there for what they can get. You know, the guy who wants to commit to the girl for life versus the guy who wants to sleep with the girl. One is taking, the other is bringing. One is there to take something, the other is there to bring affirmation and security. But one is just going to take. Which way are we taking people? Which way are people taking you? Is it okay if we can actually talk about real life? You guys okay? You're up for that? Which way is it taking you? Is it taking you towards Jesus or in another direction? You know, the drug dealer. And, uh, and, you know, before I got saved, I used to hang around parties. I always thought the drug guy, the guy with the drugs was bringing something to me. <laughs> so I did. So how kind. I'll hand over my money because you're bringing something to me. But it took me a little while, but I worked it out. No, actually, he's taking something from me. Every time I meet him, he's taking something from me. So it can be confusing. That's why we've got a term so confusing. How do you mix the words friend and enemy? That is just an indicator. I think it's a very good word because it does describe something, but it's an indicator of where our society's at, that we don't know who our friends or our enemies are. It's that mixed up. So here's some examples of bringing and taking or taking. You know, youth group, I've noticed over the years, some people bring to youth, some people get kids involved, some people come onto the fridge and take them out. Tavita would have seen that many, many times. Often it's the boy-girl thing. And someone's doing really well and they're going great. I've seen it in our interns program. They're doing great. Someone comes on the fringe, comes into a relationship. They're both gone. Some people bring, some people take. That's why for me as a pastor, when I look at relationships and particularly young people in relationships, all I'm ever looking for is does this person make that person a better person? Does this person encourage that person? Does that, this person bring that person closer to Jesus or further away? And you know pretty quickly whether the relationship's healthy or not. Uh, some people bring you to life groups. Some pull you away. Some people affirm your commitment to serve and to give and to live your life for Jesus. And others wide ant it and ridicule you and try and undermine your convictions. And it's really up to us that we choose, like, uh, who are we going to hang around with? You know, who are we going to Are we going to hang around with friends or enemies? Let's, let's separate it out. And without putting people, without judging people, being wise about who we allow to speak into our hearts, who we allow to set our trajectory in life. It only takes a few years before whatever trajectory you set now becomes apparent how it's actually going to treat you. And this is just the difference between good character and poor character. And when I think about Andrew, Andrew resonates with my own journey as a young person and, uh, and just doing my own thing, 21 years of age, when a friend of mine was prepared to again and again and again risk the relationship 
in his attempts to bring me to Jesus. And I was really unwilling. I did not want anything to do with God botherers. I did not want anything to do with Jesus freaks. I didn't want anything to do with any of this. It was so foreign to my world, but my best friend since grade seven, again and again, within 12 months of himself becoming a Christian, risked the relationship to try and bring me to Jesus. And I sit here now 36 years later and think, I am so glad, so glad. He wasn't a frenemy. He was a true friend. He wasn't trying to take from me or sell me on something. He was just like Andrew. If you could just meet who I met, it would change the way you view the whole world. And that is an Andrew. Come on, are you an Andrew? And what about the people around you? Frenemies or Andrews? Friends to the future? Or toxic friendships, which is like an oxymoron. You know, two words put together actually mean the opposite. <laughs> to, to actually have a toxic friend is maybe not to have a friend at all. Uh, and I want to encourage us. Let's, let's, let's be bringers, yeah. not takers. Let's bring people into... Great experiences. That's what Andrew was doing. It's like, man, I just hung out with Jesus for an afternoon. And you have got to meet this guy. You've got to come and do this. This is going to change. He is going to blow your mind in all the right kinds of ways. And I want to encourage us. Hey, be that person. Be that person. Andrew, what a character. So easy to overlook. But he was always bringing people toward Jesus. Mm. And in our lives, really, we've got a choice whether that's us or not. And we've got a choice who we surround ourselves with. Whether they're bringing us and empowering our journey towards Jesus. Or they're undermining it and cutting us off at the knees. And someone who's doing that, friend, if they cut you off from Jesus, they aren't really a friend. Not a friend of your future. They might be a friend in the now, but they're not a friend of your future. So here's some questions for us. And the team could come back if they want to because I was put on a short string. was told not to preach very long. <laughs> but I have anyway. Okay. You all right? Yeah. You all right? Yeah. I'm just trying to be relevant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> As a dad for 27 years, you see these things. You see these things unfold. Uh, so here's some questions. Who are the people we have influence on? Just think about your own world. Who do you have influence on? And, and I, you know, when, when you talk leadership, straight away people are thinking, I don't have a position. No, 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 just think influence. Who are the people in your world, in your circle, that you actually influence? Workmates, schoolmates, family members, whatever. And then the simple question is, what direction are we taking them? What direction are we taking them? Are we, you know, are we bringing them to Jesus or are we taking them somewhere else? Which direction are we influencing people for?
probably for our own lives, this is a really important question. Who is bringing us in what direction? <laughs> Think about people in your world. Think of the faces in your world and go, you know, like, is this, is this person a, a friend of my future or are they a bit of a frenemy? I, I've got to work that out. You'll do well to work that out sooner rather than later. And it doesn't mean you can't be friends with people. It just means you'll be very careful who you allow to influence you. You know, I I think Jesus called us to be salt and light, to be in the world, not of it. The salt's no good in a salt shaker. It needs to be out and on on the food. And Jesus would have us be lights in dark places. He'd have us. But hey, we've got to ask ourselves the question, who's influencing who? And some of us, you know, that's why I mentioned the pubbing, the clubbing, the whatever. I mean, if that's your lifestyle, I guarantee it's not pushing you toward Jesus. You can rationalise it all you like, but it ain't pushing you in the right direction. And we've just got to stop and think, you know, the people around me, who's pushing me in what direction to get a handle on life and to live securely? And I guess the final question is, are you a bringer? or a taker and what do you want to be what do you want to be like stories in scripture like this about Andrew they're there to inspire us they're there for us to listen to and go you know what he did something good he was always bringing people to Jesus and people were having their issues resolved whether it was feeding thousands of starving people or whether it was people that were outside of the basically the covenant of Israel who wanted a private audience with Jesus so that they could receive hope. Whether it was his own brother who obviously had been hoping like most of Israel that one day they might see Messiah. Whatever it was, Andrew was always bringing people to the feet of Jesus. Always bringing it. So I think we can make a choice. You know, which way am I going to, which way am I going to influence people? Which way are people influencing me? I would need to guard my heart, be a little bit careful. And which way am I going to influence others? Would you stand with me tonight? I think that's, uh, that's what Andrew asks of us. How about I pray for us tonight? Or how about we pray together? You know, if your heart's open, if, if you see this and you think, man, I want to be an Andrew then just open your heart to God right now. Online campus, here in the room. Father, we just open our hearts to you and we pray that we'd be the kind of people that move people, that bring people, that make a way for people, that encourage people, that inspire people to find Jesus, to find themselves in his presence, to find themselves where the real answers are. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And right now you might be with us tonight and maybe you have never found Jesus for yourself. And I want to encourage you right now. He's not limited to a time and place. His Spirit is with you right where you are. And you can open your heart to Him right where you stand. Let me be Andrew for you tonight. And just right where you are, whether it's in this place, in our online campus, Wherever you are, you can open your heart to Jesus right now. He has answers for you. He is the hope of the world. He does bring forgiveness of sin. 
He does feed your soul. He can meet your needs. And you can open your heart to Him right now. And very, very simply, open your heart to God. Say, God, I'm just open to you right now. Open to you, open to what you want for my life. And I open my heart to your Son, Jesus Christ. That He'd come into my life, help me to understand what it means to follow you. Amen. Just something simple like that. Welcome God in and see what He does in your life. Thanks, Sarah. Can we thank Pastor Chris?